And I'm grateful for these kind of opportunities. And I don't take them lightly. Having the opportunity to share with you on a Sunday morning is a, is a big deal to me. And so I'm grateful to Pastor Joe for giving me some space to do it. And you guys have just been so friendly and wonderful to my family. Can I just say what a wonderful family you guys are? For real. Yeah, it is just, it is really good. But how wonderful is it that we get to have that be our church, you know? So when we invite other people, like we know that the environment that we're bringing them into is one where genuine relationship and love takes place. It's just, it is just so good. Can I pray? Let me just pray as, as we start. God, I, I trust that you have something special today um, for each one of us. God, that you have something to say, and I pray that you would give us eyes to see it and ears to hear. God, that even in the midst of of things that seem same old, same old, God, if we feel like we've heard a lot of this before, God, I pray that there would be something new that you can teach us to look more like you. God, that there would be some kind of obedience point to you today that that we could give to you as a means of showing you that we love you and we want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The good news is God loves me whether I do a good job today or not. <laughs> well, I love, I love this moment. I love this moment in Jesus' life, right, where he gets, I love the baptism of Jesus because he hasn't done any public ministry up to that point, right? And then he gets baptized, and when he does, the heavens open, and God looks over him and he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't even done anything yet. You know, like I just, I just love it. So I take that to heart and I prayed that over Diana last week and I prayed over myself today that I'm loved no matter what. So I don't know about you, but um, this is a doozy of a week to have to speak on, you know, it was a pretty difficult week to be a Christian this week. It was hard for me to, to know what to do and say throughout the week. My, my Facebook feed was filled <laughs> with fear and confusion and accusations and frustration. But more so, it was filled with well-meaning Christians trying to calm everybody down. And it was good. I mean, it, that was good stuff. But in turn, it either fueled a cycle or just didn't, you know, it didn't seem to be the soft answer that turns away wrath that I was looking for to see somewhere, <laughs> you know? Like, I was looking, where is it? So I confess that this week was a challenge to me. And here's the challenge, is that I want to be somebody who's powerful and influential for the kingdom of God. I want to be somebody that's powerful and influential for the kingdom of God, but it's hard to navigate how to be that in a culture that where the platforms that we've been given to share are, are set up with all these hoops to jump through and all these landmines to navigate. <laughs> It's easy to buy into the idea that if I want to be powerful or have influence, then I need to be the one with the loudest voice and the best argument. The culture's way of doing things is, right, if I have an issue and I need to get it dealt with, somehow the world has this, works into us this lie that if we puff up our muscles big enough and we get loud enough and if we can just control whatever is happening in our environment or what we need to see happen, then it'll all be okay. And that the means to do that is through strength. And God's ways are just so different, aren't they? 
We think, don't, don't they just see the truth that I'm speaking, and why aren't they listening? And maybe if I say it again this way, somebody will listen. And then in the end, we just wind up feeling more divided. And God doesn't pass on wisdom through rebellion, through loud voices, and through heated arguments. So how does he call us to operate? And before any of this happened this week, okay, so before this week, so this was last week, right? I knew I was going to preach today, and I took time to pray and ask the Lord what to teach on, and I really felt like the Lord told my heart to teach on honor in the midst of conflict. And so that wasn't what I wanted to teach on. But that's okay. He has, he's got a way of, of doing it. I wanted to teach on evangelism and how to love and value people in evangelism. But that actually plays into this. So the Lord like, gave me a little compromise and said, you can teach on that a little bit. So we'll get there. So the Lord's been teaching me new things this week. And so how many of you know, like when you have a question about how to do something, you literally can ask the Lord and he, he will show up and provide an answer. In James, it says, if any of you asks wisdom, ask the Lord, and our generous God will give to you out of his abundance. He wants to give it to you, but he puts a condition on it. He says, if you ask, make sure your faith is in God alone. And those who ask with a divided heart shouldn't expect to receive anything at all. What a word of truth. Like we, Sometimes we ask God, but we put all these conditions on it, on what, we want, what we're okay with him saying. And... and it doesn't work that way. It's got to be, God, I want your truth. I want your wisdom. And I'm willing to do what you say. And if we come to God in that place and with that attitude, he answers us. Okay, so I came to God with this question this week of what do I do? What do I say? And he had me read through the book of Proverbs, the whole thing, and highlight uh, every verse that I felt like had to do with speaking in honor in the midst of conflict. And as I began to just read through it, certain things just popped out and hit my heart. And it wasn't just, I couldn't just take one and say, oh, well, th- well that, that makes sense. That's, that's a good way to do it. But when I put it all as a whole and I kind of took a breath and I said, okay, what are the ways of God in walking in honor in the midst of conflict? All of a sudden, scripture came to life and I feel like God gave some strategy for it. Cool? Yeah. All right. So, but, oh, so we'll get there. We'll get to the, the Proverbs stuff. Um, but I want to start in 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 17. And this is kind of where I, I really just want to focus today. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. And before I start reading, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Peter addresses here Christians. This is the Apostle Peter, right? And he's addressing Christians that are kind of dispersed throughout regions of the Roman Empire. They're facing some hostility to the gospel and definitely seeing uh, the result of how... Choosing to follow Jesus a lot of times puts you in conflict in certain relationships, <laughs> okay? And so he deals with things like, um, and our natural instinct is to stick it to the government, <laughs> to stick it to our husbands or our wives, right? Um, and even he deals with um, slaves in, in the context of this. And, and these areas where there's conflict and the people in the church are asking, what do, we, what do we do? So he's laid it out here so far, and kind of up until this point in, in the book, he's kind of just reminded them of the foundations of the gospel, that they are living stones built together, built to be the house of God. Like that alone speaks so much, and he kind of reminds them of foundational truths of the gospel and who they're called to be, and that could be a whole sermon of itself. So I'm just going to say, like, he reminds them of the foundation of who they are in the gospel, and he picks up here, verse 11. Dear friends... I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, 
Real quick, that alone, even just right there, like if he was, that means if he was saying this to us, he would be saying the same thing. That, that he reminds us that we are temporary residents and foreigners. So I remind you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Like, I'm just going to go back and read that one again because it's so good. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't, you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and, the, and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king or honor the king. And I think respect and honor are kind of used interchangeably here in, in this passage. So a couple things stand out to me here. Just a couple key ways of God, right? Number one, that what foolishes or what, what silences foolish accusations is honorable living. Not getting loud, not getting and, and I hear me in this, I don't want this sermon to just be in the, seen in the context of post-election. <laughs> okay? So I kind of use that as like, okay, it's been a rough week for it, but but hear me on this that this is so much more than that. This goes into whenever we're in conflict with, with anybody when we're in difficulty. Okay, whenever we're, we're under accusation with our family, with our friends, in our workplace, in our lives speak louder than the things that we say. So I thought that was cool. I love that it says to submit to, to authority. And I like the way that it's kind of even talked about here. It's different than, than sometimes the Bible says things that I don't want it to say. Uh, for real, it does. But I have to come around. Ultimately, I wanted to say that because I know it's truth and I know it speaks to my heart. Submit to authority because their main role is, is justice, especially in government. And Paul goes on to kind of explain this uh, a, a little bit more, that the role of, of government is to protect and promote justice. It's their role to execute that. And so he goes on to explain that when, when the government's doing that right, like if their role is to say to protect what's good and promote justice to defend against what's evil. When they're doing their job correctly, everything's good and everything's happy. And then the flip side is, well, what do we do when it's bad? And Paul says, it's even good if they persecute you. When it, if, you take it, if you take the injustice upon yourself, it's actually good because then the gospel is actually blasted forth as you respond in submission. Like, how cool is that? So if somebody presents injustice to me and my response is to take it upon myself and not raise up in rebellion and shake my fist at them or whatever, but in submission to live an honorable life, what it does is it shouts the gospel to that person and it shouts the gospel to the world around. Do you know that the same thing is actually true for marriage? That we think marriage is about happiness, <laughs> right? 
and I love marriage, okay? Mar and marriage is about, I'll, I'll say this, the purpose, I'm going to get myself in trouble, right? Everybody's like, oh man, where did he go? What did he just say? <sighs> no, hear this. Happiness is just the byproduct of two people doing marriage right. But the purpose of marriage is to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. So we get in these positions, right? And then when we understand submission to all human authority or whatever, when, when we understand that marriage is this beautiful, like mutual submission thing, we understand that what we're doing, even in the midst of conflict and hostility, by living honorably and in grace with that person is we're actually blasting forth the kingdom of God to them and to the world. What if there was somebody going through a messy divorce and instead of licking their wounds and covering themselves and protecting and finding the next relationship, what if during that divorce they saw it as their role, as their role not to find happiness, but to communicate the gospel to that person and to the world? It changes the whole way you see it. It changes the whole way you see it. And it is hard. And sometimes you might be called to be the person to go through a miserable time in order to communicate the gospel to the world. But that's our job. That's our job. And it's, it's one, and the truth is when you live this way, God provides for your needs. You find your security and your happiness in him. And I didn't mean to take it on a whole other route of marriage. We're talking about authority. Back on track. Fear the Lord, honor people, and act wisely with unbelievers. That's a good strategy. I was left reading this, and then I wanted to know more. I wanted to know, okay, so what does that look like? How do I act wisely with unbelievers? How do I honor authority in the midst of conflict? And this is where I began to read the Proverbs. Um, and I think, what I, I think what I'd like to do, because here, and, and here's why, and here, I'll say it this way. If it's easy to honor people when we agree with them morally. It is really difficult to know if honor means things like elevating somebody, right? If we honor somebody, we're kind of lifting them up. We're elevating their, their value and their relationship to us, okay? And if that's what honor means, that's easy to do with people we agree with. Um, but what, what do we do when it's somebody that we don't morally agree with, and that's something that we want to almost not elevate <laughs> and put down. How do, we, how do we wrestle with this? Okay, so I want to just take, that's the question I'm asking, and I want to just read these Proverbs. And I think that, that as we just read them together, it's almost like God just gets to speak for himself. I don't have to even fill in much. He's just going to do his thing because he's good. So you can put them up on the screen with me, and, and we'll, just, we'll just read through them. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 10.32 says, the lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and those who win souls are wise. In this context, it's actually not talking about evangelism, but it means to win souls in this context actually means to win someone's heart. 
right? You're gaining favor. You're gaining persuasion. Like to win their soul means to, in a conversation, to, to capture their heart, okay? So he who wins souls is wise. And of course it applies to evangelism too, but. Uh, fifteen twenty-eight. the heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. 1530, light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but those who heed correction gain understanding. I love this next one. 1632 says, better a patient person than a warrior. Those with self-control than those who take a city. I read that and I was like, oh God, I want that. <laughs> God, let that be me. I would rather be patient and under self-control than, than, than somebody who just puffs up and takes it. 1717, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. 1728, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. 182, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. 1813, to answer before listening, that is a folly and shame. I read that and I was like, oh man. Oh man. 1816, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. 1911, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. 23, it is one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. 20 verse 5 was my absolute favorite. The purposes of the human heart are deep waters, but those who have insight draw them out. I read that and I was like, oh my goodness. And when I, when I was reading this for the, with, the, with the eyes of putting it in light of conflict and reading, reading this, like talking about the depth of a human heart and if we really hold wisdom, who we are are people who can actually access that place, whether we're talking about in ourselves or in other people. That's cool. 2515, through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. So some things that stood out to me here were like ways of God, were things like patience and self-control, <laughs> to not be quick to speak, loving and not getting offended, about keeping close relationship, that a brother sticks close, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? That wisdom is for those who seek it and not for those who don't. I think I, I learned that. I don't think I knew that <laughs> until I read it in scripture and over and over again, it was saying like, stop it. Stop trying to correct those who are, who are mocking and who aren't listening. Look, look for the people that, have, that are hungry for wisdom. And that's who we share it with. And a lot of times if we just try to correct mockers, it just gets us run over. Did you notice that today I haven't taken a side politically or anything that too? Like, I, I hope that is clear. Like, I'm, I'm trying to say, like, this goes across the board. <laughs> Listening is important before I answer. 
Listening is important before I answer. I can't even tell you how much I've learned, in, and this is where some of the evangelism stuff comes in. I've learned the most about other faiths from talking to people of those other faiths. And I found that when I read like, what, what I had learned in the, the, the Christian books perspective of that faith, like when I got real with that person and listened first, I had so much more of an understanding of how to interact with their heart than I did beforehand. Because there's something that you can't get to until you really listen well. There's an answer that you can't provide until you've heard. So the Greek word for honor has to do with value. It's all, it's all rooted in value. So to honor someone really means that you recognize both their value and their relationship to you. And then you elevate both those things, giving them space to exercise both. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I recognize both their, their value and their relationship to me. And I elevate both those things, giving them space to exercise both. That's, that's honor. It doesn't mean elevating or supporting the wrong ideas. It doesn't mean you keep quiet and you never say anything or you never stand up for truth. I'm not saying that at all. I think we need to be bold. I think we need to teach truth. I need to think we need to be a voice of truth in this time. But I think that it comes through the strategy of honoring others. And that when we listen first and we pull out the purposes of someone's heart in, in them and we draw it out and we say, what's going on? I want to hear you because I value you and I care about you and I care about what you think. And I'm listening to it and I'm hearing it. It's only at that place when somebody feels not just that you're backing them into a corner, but that you care about what they have to say. And when you've provided a listening ear, it's at that point that something opens in their heart. And, and, and God gives this, us this access to speak truth. And we've earned it. Yes. We've earned it. Good. So if I disagree with some, someone, honoring them might look like protecting the relationship in the midst of conflict. I think of Joseph and his brothers. If anybody had a right to be mad at somebody, it was Joseph and his brothers. And when they come, he keeps it secret. He clears everybody out of the room. And he pulls his brothers close and he hugs them. Like, they haven't worked stuff out 100%. <laughs> There's probably still some stuff that's got to get dealt with. Do you, when you're in conflict some, with someone, do you pull away and use the silent treatment as a means of manipulation? Or in the midst of conflict, are you closer than ever? This is something that I've determined and I've put, like we've put in our, in our marriage, we know like if we're in, con if, we, if there's something going on and we're in conflict, like that's not the time to take a break from each other. That's a time to press in and know like even in the midst of conflict, you have no threat of, of losing my love, of losing connection with me. That's honor. We don't pull away, we pull close. We be patient and not quick to speak and air my own opinion. If I'm in conflict with someone, honoring them might look like seeking understanding first, to listen intently without offense, to draw out the purposes of the heart. Let them be powerful. Let them touch your heart even if it hurts. Let them see how it affects you. This is really honor. This is what it looks like. Do you know when I feel honored, if, if somebody from another faith were to come and talk to me, do you know when I would feel the most honored? I would feel the most honored when they would say, can you share with me about what you believe? 
That's really, wouldn't it, wouldn't that be what you want? <laughs> Isn't that what we're Wouldn't you feel the most honored and the most invited to speak into their life? Will you share that with me? I want to know. Stay humble and teachable. Don't despise correction, right? We don't want to be on the other side. We don't want to be the one that doesn't receive a rebuke. We want to welcome correction. Create a safe place to be heard without fear of broken relationship. Empower them to take responsibility. And I think this is really important. Sometimes we link honor with just buttering somebody up or speaking good stuff. But it's not. That's not honoring at all. If you really value somebody, you understand that they are powerful and so that they have choices that impact things and that they can take responsibility to clean it up themselves. And so when we value somebody for real, when we honor them, we actually help provide an environment where they can take responsibility for their actions. Respond in love and give wisdom in the gospel and understanding where, where understanding is desired. So I want to tell you a story to kind of pull all this together. And my hope is that just in the cloud of all that was presented, right, some of these truths, that some of it kind of got to your heart and you're, you're seeing maybe ways that you operate that maybe need to shift a little. It's easy to see it how other people need to change the way they, <laughs> they need to operate in honor. But I'm saying, let's look at ourselves. Say, how do I need to change the way I walk in honor in the midst of conflict? So I want to tell you a story about a guy I met at Tri-C. Do you guys know Tri-C? It's like the community college. We were at the, the campus in Parma. And I was with some young adults in, uh, for the purpose of evangelism. And they had this incredible strategy of setting up kind of in the student center. They would have a table and they would have... Uh, some cookies out so people would come to the table and it's like food brings people in. And then they would have a question that was like one step away from a gospel conversation. So it wasn't, you know, do you know where you're going if you die tonight? It wasn't like that kind of question. It was, it was more of a question like, what is love? And uh, it was a discussion question. Uh, that question is really, really close. See, like, it is not hard to go from having a conversation with somebody about that to a conversation about the gospel. So they would kind of present these one-step-away questions. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, was, I got talking to this, this one guy, um, and I talked to him just asking questions for over an hour. And I just asked him, you know, who are you? What, what's going on in your, in your life? And he told me about how he was um, going into the military and so I began to just ask him questions about just hearing his heart, wanting to hear what he had to say, saying, you know, how did you make that decision? And, why, why are the, and then the things that he would say, I would say, well, why is that important to you? Why is that valuable to you? And just through questions and listening, I was able to direct the conversation onto things about faith and who he thought Jesus was. I didn't slam him. I just asked him, you know, who do you think Jesus is? And how did that affect your decision to go into the military or, or did it or didn't it? And I just listened for an hour and I continued to ask questions and continue to ask questions. And at the end of the hour, he was looking like he was about ready to, to you know, head on. And so I kind of took a, a chance and said, hey, you know, I've gotten to hear a lot from you. You're here with a, a, a few people that just absolutely are like sold out Christians. You know that I'm a Christian because we had talked about a little bit at that point, just from the stuff I was saying is there anything that you would want to ask us? And he thought about it for a second. And then he, it was just the coolest moment. So he looked at me and he said, what was it that made you guys want to give your whole life to Jesus? Like, it took an hour of just asking questions, but then I got what I could never have gotten otherwise. 
I got an open heart seeking understanding, wanting to know what was so awesome about Jesus. And just as intently as I listened to him, he listened to three or four of us share about the power of God setting people free, about both the way that we believed in him, both because of, of how we see historical evidence of Jesus, but also because of like the personal transformation that we experienced, about the way we've seen him heal the sick and set people free from demons and all this stuff, and we got to share. And afterwards, we were able to pray with this guy, and he left, and he was gone for like five minutes, and then he came back, and he was like, you know what, you guys need to pray for my grandma. And he wanted us to pray for his grandma. And so we prayed together, and I don't know how that story ends, you know, we kind of left it there. We didn't come to like a, he was in a working it through place, not in a I'm ready to make a decision place. So, but I think that that puts in, I think that's a story that represents well what I'm trying to say. We were in different worlds, we disagreed on certain things, but because I walked in honor, because I look to pull out the purposes of his heart and care about them and love them and value them like his response was in kind right so i look at the mess maybe maybe even let's just apply it real quick let's apply it like look at the mess that's going on <laughs> and before we're quick to say much during this season Let's be quick to ask the Lord, God, what do I do here? How do I operate in honor with, this, with, with people? And if we're not listening and drawing out the purposes of their heart and what's really going on in them and creating a safe place for that to happen, I'm trying to make the case today that we're not actually walking in honor. <laughs> okay, and we need to do that. So the application is just this, and I kind of want to leave you with this. Just what does it look like to be a powerful and influential person that operates in honor, that honors others in, in your workplace, at home, on social media, and with those you're currently in conflict with? And so I want to I close by reading a scripture. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. God, I pray that we would do this. God, that we would not just say with our mouth that we love people, but we would with genuine affection love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. God, I pray that that would be true, that it would be our delight, it would be our privilege to lift up someone else's value in their relationship to us. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. God, will we be people that don't stop praying? God, will we continue to pray? God, in the midst of, of everything that's going on in our government, in the midst of, of things that are going on relationally, God, in our family, God, everything. God, would you let us be people who are committed to relationship and committed to prayer? When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. God, we pray that you would open doors for that this week, that we could serve others and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. God, I pray that we would walk in that kind of humility one that's willing to come alongside our brothers and sisters and rejoice when they're happy and weep with them when they weep. God, would you protect the unity 
of, of this church and our relationship with other people. God, we love you and we honor you. We do this all. God, help us to want to love other people and honor them for the sake of ultimately you being honored. In Jesus' precious name, amen.